Hello, friends. Welcome to the Nexus Podcast. I'm your host, James Dice. Each week, I fire questions at the leaders of the smart buildings industry to try to figure out where we're headed and how we can get there faster without all the marketing fluff. I'm pushing my learning to limit, and I'm so glad to have you here following along. Before we get started, here's a quick note from our sponsor. Altura Associates is a mid-sized, mission-driven firm delivering impact and performance across the built environment in North America, and they're looking for the best in the industry to join their team. From designing and implementing corporate sustainability programs, to manipulating systems in the field to achieve optimized performance, to building the tools that support those project teams, Altura is committed to solving our world's macro-level problems through tangible projects today. If you're interested in working alongside passionate colleagues to make a lasting impact, reach out at careers at alturaassociates.com. That's careers at A-L-T-U-R-A associates.com. This episode is a conversation with Grigor Hadjiev, head of development ESG and innovation at Allianz Real Estate in Paris, France. We talked about why technology increases the value of Allianz's portfolio of hundreds of assets. We talked about the where, what, how, and when of Allianz's smart buildings program, including the vital independent data layer or building operating system, as Grigor's team calls it. Before we dive in, I want to remind everyone to start budgeting for the next cohort of our foundations course. We use this course to help people across the world level up their impact in smart buildings, and you can find more info at nexuslabs.online foundations. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode of the Nexus Podcast with Grigor Hadjiv. Hello, Grigor. Welcome to the Nexus Podcast. It's great to have you. Thank you, James. Uh, can you start by uh, introducing yourself and providing a little background? With pleasure. So um, I'm in charge of uh, the design and execution of large CapEx programs in our West European uh, region of Allianz Real Estate. And I'm also leading the global innovation digitalization activities, bringing basically um, data asset management into the firm's uh, expertise. And prior to joining Allianz Real Estate in 2018, uh, I was leading the French-speaking Switzerland's office of a large um, real estate consulting and project management company. All right. And what, what's your, your background? Is it IT, technology? So I have a, I have a degree in architecture, uh, then a little bit more oh, specialized okay. in engineering, uh, the building topics. And then uh, I did a business degree. So I worked a little bit also in the finance industry. So I'm a little bit between the two worlds. All right. All right. And you're, you're in France. Are you in Paris? Where are you at? I'm based in Paris and uh, I'm covering out of Paris uh, for a couple of topics, the West Europe region and for uh, other topics, uh, uh, it's a global function. Yeah. Out of Paris. Got it. Got it. Cool. So tell us about Allianz. Um, number of buildings, types of buildings, where are they? Sounds like Western Europe, maybe Eastern Europe as well. Uh, yeah. And then what's the sort of real estate investment approach? How long do you guys hold buildings or is it more transactional? Can you just take us through yeah. a, an overview of the portfolio? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, Allianz Real Estate is managing over uh, 91 billions of assets under management. Uh, to give a number of buildings, this is difficult, but in Europe, for example, we have roughly speaking between 450, 500 uh, uh, assets. Uh, in terms of asset classes, we are covering uh, offices, retail, logistics, but also residential uh, and a little bit of hospitality, mixed use and uh, student housing. Our uh, offices are close to our assets. That means predominantly in Europe. Uh, but also uh, in Asia Pacific, 
like in Singapore, in Japan, uh, in China. Uh, and so we have also offices across the United States uh, where we cover the local markets in those asset classes. Got it. Very cool. So let's talk about, you mentioned digitization, and that's kind of part of your your role. We're going to talk about smart building technology, obviously. Can you just talk broadly about how those two types of technology initiatives um, improve asset value? So how does, how does Allianz, the real estate company, look at technology to sort of make the buildings worth more? So uh, first of all, I need to mention that we are a long-term uh, investor. You asked me that in the previous question. Uh, that means that we hold the buildings for 10 years uh, and more. Uh, and we need to manage our buildings, our clients' buildings uh, in the best way during this period and keep them attractive uh, because we will either sell or hold them for another period uh, after this already pretty long period. So innovation yeah. and technology okay. has to support asset management decisions uh, to ensure continued portfolio attractiveness and uh, resilience. And so therefore, we use technology innovation to improve this operational efficiency that we will speak a little bit later uh, in details. Uh, and uh, this is also a lever for us to lower the running cost of the buildings and to optimize the energy performance. Those two pillars are uh, fundamentally important and we believe that they are uh, generating today's uh, or help us to, to, um, to, to keep uh, the value of our assets. Uh, at the same time, alongside this optimized TSG performance, we are deploying technology to create better um, uh, workplace uh, to, that is leading to higher productivity, especially in office buildings for our tenants. And uh, this is increasing, we believe, the attractiveness uh, to tenants who prefer to work in assets that are green and productive rather than one that are a little bit less capable. Uh, and in best case, we think that through technology, we can eventually um, eventually uh, get tenants that are willing to pay uh, more for these high-performing products. But even if they're not paying more, our assets uh, stay uh, less uh, on the market empty, which is already improving the, um, uh, the ERVs and therefore the operating income. Uh, and I will not referring to all the studies on the market that are demonstrating that uh, assets that are green are uh, showing better um, results, higher rents than assets that are not green. We can't observe exactly in all the portfolio this trend, but we can definitely um, we can definitely say that uh, we see this kind of uh, indications uh, uh, on the market. Yes. Got it. And how do you think about smart building technology? Is that different than the digitization effort or digitalization effort? Um, the way I think about it is like there are certain technologies that are helping us run the building better, but then there are certain technologies that are helping just run the real estate business better. And those might be mutually exclusive or they might be a similar, um, you know, you might check both boxes with the sim with one technology. Do you think about those two efforts as separate or are they or one one um, initiative? Uh, so we handle differently internally the corporate innovation and uh, let's say the smart buildings uh, on okay. the corporate innovation digitalization side. We have the introduction of a lot of tools for Allianz Real Estate, for example, a uh, place to underwrite, um, to do the business plans or, uh, or software to manage uh, the portfolio on the larger scale. But it's more mm -hmm. on financial and, uh, let's say, uh, high level uh, and precise data versus on the building side, we tried to stay closer to what is happening on the technology uh, and to make sure that with the building technology, we can at the same time increase the uh, the energy performance, the user, the user experience. So 
we believe that the user topics are a little bit, the, the building topics are a little bit closer uh, to, to, mm -hmm. to the assets and to the operations versus our own business. We have started already a couple of years ago to uh, put the same solutions in place, for example, SAP for the accounting globally. So I can say that um, we first um, baselined and uh, worked on our corporate solutions and then we started working on, on, on the buildings where uh, having one size, one size fits all is a little bit more difficult than on the corporate size. Even if technology is helping to uh, to baseline and to 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 put similar standards across buildings across different ge geographies. Yep, yep, makes sense. So you mentioned all the different types of assets you, you guys have under management. Um, when you talk about like the user or the occupant experience, like you talked about with office buildings, like where the office building industry is going, do you have? something similar you mentioned dormitories multifamily, industrial is there something similar for those other verticals that um you know kind of speaks to the importance of technology in engaging whatever end user that is so if i'm a dormitory mm. you know it's a university student mm. that kind of mm. thing are there similar reasons for technology in in those other types of buildings uh, yes, so our focus predominantly with our smart building program is uh, definitely on office buildings. One of the reasons is that we okay. operate them directly. Um, okay. To answer your quick question, I think that uh, across all asset classes, we use similar technology, but the use cases are very different. Uh, mm. If the problematic in an office building is uh, uh, in, in residential is how to optimize the energy performance, even if you use similar technologies, ultimately the, the way that we use that is different. Uh, we don't okay. do the same in student housing as we do in offices, even if uh, from a technical perspective, the technical solutions or the digital solutions are similar. Because okay. I can uh, control um, and I can manage closely in office building the heating and the cooling. But when, I, when it comes to private areas, for example, in an apartment, uh, sometimes... Uh, it not sometimes, but this is generally uh, in the, within the responsibility of uh, um, of uh, the person that of the occupiers that lives uh, in this apartment, and sometimes he has like uh, this uh, different needs than uh, than the one that we can see for uh, office buildings, and uh, so focus on office buildings because we operate them. But on the other asset classes, we systematically work with specialized operators. You have mentioned uh, student housing and. Uh, and the dormitories, all the students housing, and also shopping centers. We work with partners and we observe that they use similar technologies than the one that we are using, but just for different use cases and in a different manner. I see. I see. Okay. I think that sets the, sets the context for us. Now let's, let's sort, of, sort of start diving into your guys' um, smart buildings program. So I, I think a good place to start would be to say just how do you define smart buildings? Um, you know, you know, I feel like it's where a lot of people start and everybody has their own definition, but I thought it'd be good to just hear from your, like, so we just kind of set the stage for what, what do you mean by smart building? Um, I, I, I know that I've been recorded of giving 10 different explanations across conferences of what is a smart building. <laughs> so this will be the 11th one. I really okay. think that the smart building is simply a good building, uh, which means that um, through obviously through technology and through exchange of data, across uh, various technical installations. Uh, the performance of the building is really optimized. The comfort is optimized. And this is happening in an obstacle-free and seamless way for the end user. 
And this is when we focus on specifically on the technological side. But uh, technology is just enhancer. Uh, and if you have a, a bad fundamentals of the buildings, bad architecture, bad design, bad materials, you can have the smartest building, but if the fundamentals are bad, you just have a bad building that is smart. So mm -hmm. we cannot completely dissociate um, the smartness from the other intrinsic qualities of the building. But I would have qualified that as a, uh, as a, this kind of a data layer that comes and that makes uh, the technical installations communicate to each other and that is just improving the way that the people are using uh, the building and that the building is operated. Got it. Got it. All right, let's dive into that. So you guys have this this team and program and sort of um, long-term plan, I would assume, for rolling out technology in your buildings. Can you just do an overview of like, you know, how many how many people are on your team? What's your approach? What's the status of the implementation? Pilot stage, rollout stage, and then sort of what's the roadmap for, you know, the next few years? So um, our uh, smart building program, uh, we call it internally as per today, the building signature program. Um, and uh, this is a set of uh, set of solutions, set of technologies that we have combined from the market that uh, uh, help us to reach this use case that we're speaking until now. So improved user experience, better comfort for the tenants, um, but also optimize energy performance uh, and so on. So uh, we have selected globally a set of technologies and uh, digital solutions that we have tested locally in our uh, across the different regions uh, worldwide. Uh, and we found the denominator, so the solutions that are uh, bringing value uh, systematically in all uh, locations. So we combined these digital solutions and technical equipments into one set, uh, into one, uh, into where we bundled them in one place. And uh, we are aiming to cover, roughly speaking, 20% of the net asset value of our portfolio um, by uh, this program. So that means that our buildings, whenever this is applicable, they will have an energy management solution, they will have um, user experience uh, applications, user experience solutions. And uh, what is very important is that uh, on those buildings, we will collect a big amount of data in order to optimize uh, the operations. Uh, and uh, this data will also to help us to support uh, the local um, the, the users, the tenants, uh, in their everyday business. For example, we are supporting them with the return to office. We are supporting them to improve uh, the comfort in the building by adjusting, for example, the temperature. We are supporting them to provide this uh, obstacle-free experience with um, entering into the office uh, with my phone. With my phone, I can then book a room. Um, I can also order food. Uh, so uh, this kind of uh, little services that are in the interface between what the tenant can do and what the landlord can provide. So we have combined this set of solutions. We're deploying it currently uh, in Europe. We have delivered already 15 big uh, assets. And so we have another 30 assets across the planet that are uh, within this process of smart, uh, of smart upgrade. And here I would like to mention that uh, our building signature program has two big fundamental pieces. One is uh, the, the deployment of existing buildings within the portfolio. This is a difficult piece because um, we are adding costs, but the tenants are there and we need to work with them and to add a kind of a subset uh, of our technological solutions to the buildings to cover a subset of the challenges that we have identified. And on the other hand, we have a very strict long policy on how to refurbish buildings whenever we have large CapEx programs. And then we have we are coming with hundreds of pages of recommendations and the guiding principles and the design principles to make sure that everything that we know, the best of our knowledge, 
is deployed and will be deployed by our network of partners, uh, mainly across Europe. So we have upgrades of existing buildings, light upgrades, and then we have this kind of uh, holistic, agnostic, uh, deep, profound um, smartization that we deploy whenever we have a large CapEx programs uh, okay. across the portfolio. Makes sense. On, on those existing buildings that are occupied, you know, not they're not undergoing a huge, you know, capex redevelopment. How do you work through the business case with adding costs, adding uh, ongoing costs um, to those buildings and those tenants? How, how does that work out? Yeah. So it, it, it's a fair po- it's a fair point. I think my um, executive board could have asked us exactly the same one. They're doing it nonstop, by the way. So uh, in a nutshell, uh, when we have existing buildings, the main challenge that we are currently facing, that our existing buildings are facing, is energy optimization. For that, you basically need to uh, to add an artificial intelligence energy management solution if you want to take the low-hanging fruit through, uh, through technology. And to do uh, uh, an active energy management, you need basically to put a couple of devices in the building, like uh, people counting, like uh, temperature meters, comfort meters, uh, in order to make sure that when you... Uh, decrease the temperature in the building, you still have a k- kind of acceptable comfort level from the tenants. And uh, and also, uh, if you want to cut uh, the lighting, you need to make sure that no one is in the building. So this occupancy-adjusted uh, energy management in the building comes with a kind of set of devices. Uh, and the second big trigger for existing buildings is uh, cybersecurity. We need to make sure where the data is flowing, how the data flows, uh, where the data goes, who has access to the data, uh, and we need to make sure that there are some kind of uh, basic stuff that are done in the building. And uh, the third aspect around that is, but this is really uh, discussed with the tenants, do they want to have some kind of uh, uh, technologies that are improving the comfort? For example, as we already track the, the, the air quality uh, in order to optimize uh, the energy performance, uh, sometimes when we discuss with them, they're saying, oh, you know, but uh, because we have already this kind of occupancy information, I want to use that in order to switch to flex desk or um, Mm -hmm. because I'm switching to FlexDesk, can you please add also uh, this kind of um, uh, tenant app controlled access control? So this kind of discussions, they're really case by case based, but the two fundamentals are ESG improvements and and cybersecurity. And they are driving the set of technologies that we need to deploy on the existing buildings. The costs are pretty low. So we speak about something between uh, um, five and 12 euros per square meter um, additional fees, additional costs. And this is then leading to, uh, on average, 20% of energy savings and a lot of data that the tenant can use in his everyday business. As I mentioned already, like the return to office or to track tenants, uh, how, the, how his own area is occupied. Are the people using the same floors on the building? Why did they, why did they go to certain areas? Um, how is the food and beverage offer, for example, used within the building? So we're able to provide some analytics only based on the data that on the devices that we need to put to do our two main topics, uh, energy optimization and cybersecurity. So we add these devices for energy performance and cybersecurity, eventually for some comfort elements. But then we use the data, and this is what this this is what it becomes interesting. We use uh, the data generated from those devices to add additional services and insights for, um, for example, the office manager or for the real estate team of our tenants and this kind of insights are valuable for them to do the adjustments uh, of cleaning of uh, uh, of uh, the the number of desks and others got it let's circle back i want a couple questions before we dive into some of the details around the actual infrastructure with you know how you enable all of this 
Um, one is, I think people be, be, will be surprised when they listen to this and they hear you say, you know, we have several hundred assets, and but then your smart buildings program is only really going to be applied to, I think you said, 20% of them. Can you can you walk through like what what makes a building um, qualify for this program? Um, so uh, probably I didn't express it correctly. So we we are targeting twenty billions uh, of assets in the management that needs to be upgraded. Uh, this basically covers uh, fast uh, almost the half of our directly managed assets. So I would have said okay. that this is covering more every second suitable asset. So now what means suitable assets? Um, a building to be qualified for our program, it needs to be obviously uh, big and it needs to have some technical installations. Uh, there, for example, at Central Building Management System, uh, it needs to have a critical size. So we target buildings that are larger than 5,000 square meters. Uh, okay. And um, why, why we do that? So if you take a very small uh, residential asset in the city center of Paris with uh, 15 apartments, um, uh, the heating, the cooling, and most of the uh, most of the let's say the production and uh, of uh, um, uh, most of the services to the to the to the apartments are done locally within the apartment. So we can steer, for example, the cooling centrally because there is no central steering. We cannot steer the the lighting except on the common areas, but this is minor. Versus in an office building where we have, for example, a single tenant with which we work, it is much more easier to be impactful. So therefore. We take only uh, big buildings. We do that predominantly on office uh, on office assets, and I think that um, we will try to cover uh, almost all buildings that are larger than five thousand square meters and almost all uh, office assets across um, mm -hmm. across Europe uh, within within the program. Makes sense. So it seems like the first step in your sort of rolling out the program is to then analyze all of the buildings and say, you know, where do we apply this and where do we not, where does it make sense and where does it not make sense? Exactly. This yeah. is, this is exactly what we did for, what we did, for example, with the, let's say 450 European uh, assets, physical assets in, in, uh, in Europe. Uh, so we screened them and we, for example, for some of them realized that there is just not a building management system if the building is, even if the building is big, because it's, it's an older building and a such building will go into a refurbishment process in two years time. So typically such a building is as per today out of the program because we know that we will refurbish it in two years time. And as we discussed a couple of minutes ago, when we do a refurbishment, we do the full set, we deploy the full set. But as this process will start in two years time, we just keep these buildings that will undergo l hardcore refurbishment. We keep that, I'm saying that it's out of the program, but in fact, um, we can say that the program is a five, six, 10 years program and that the entire portfolio mm -hmm. will so sooner or later go through this process. But currently, we're targeting for the next three years to go uh, with this uh, uh, 20 billion of facets in the management. Got it. Got it. Okay, two last questions on the program. You have first is you have some super fans on your team. Can you just talk Nexus super fans, some, some listeners of the podcast? Uh, so we want to do a shout out to them. But also, can you just talk about the team that you have that's kind of required to implement this sort of program across that many assets? So I think that I'm, I'm working with exceptional colleagues. Um, uh, first, I will say a word about our strong presence locally. So we have in each uh, um, location where we have a big concentration of assets, we have a, a local team, local last management team. So we, uh, we work very closely with them and uh, they're the one on the ground that is executing um, the smart building strategy and uh, the policy. 
uh, at the same time, I'm extremely happy because I think I, I really work with the best people worldwide in terms of uh, smart innovation digitalization. So we have a very small team of a couple of people, four or five people. They're sitting here in Paris and together with them, we define the global strategy. Uh, we support the global rollout by uh, setting the tools, by providing, for example, the framework agreements uh, and by negotiating some costs centrally uh, on the European scale. Uh, and to we support our uh, local last management colleagues uh, um, with some methodology and um, with some manpower, especially to start uh, the, this, uh, this refurbishment projects or to start the retrofits. So central team that works on the strategy, central teams that pick up the right technologies, um, central team that is negotiating the large, uh, let's say the big framework agreements so that we can have the same kind of qualities across Europe and central team that is consolidating the data once the uh, upgrade is done, the data comes back to us. Uh, we structure, we analyze and we work with this data in order to mirror it back to the asset management colleagues, uh, which will then use it to take better decisions in the everyday. Yeah, and the reason I wanted to ask all these questions about the program is because I feel just, you know, talking to your team and talking to you here, it feels very much like you are, are very well integrated into the organization. You know, the organization from the top understands the value of technology and the value that each building can be, you know, more valuable when technology is implemented in the right way. And then you guys have taken this very strategic approach and, you know, done pilot projects and decided here are the use cases that we've, you know, picked out as valuable to roll out. And then you said, here are the assets where this applies. And then you've taken it and you've built a team around the program to sort of say, you know, these are the people that are required to like really make this work internally long term. And I just think that's it's it's rare. It's becoming less rare, but it's rare that there's that strategic of an approach, uh, you know, especially, you know, you know, for you know, asset managers that, you know, it's not their core business to be smart buildings people, but having that, you know, internal team, I feel like is really important. You've completely explained uh, the way that we are working. I need to stress out here that we have the full support from the executive committee where I'm presenting that is voting, uh, vetting the, the program. Uh, and then we have the buy-in from our local teams because I think that they see the advantages. I'm not saying that everything is completely fluid and that uh, there is nothing to be improved. Uh, it's just mm -hmm. the, the right, the opposite. So we're in the beginning. So we started two years ago, three years ago, and we learned a lot uh, over these three years. But um, I think that we are making huge progress um, by doing it. And I think it's completely important for uh, such strategic team like uh, the central team on smart buildings also to work operationally on the projects, to go on the ground, not on all buildings, but to track and to follow a couple of examples because we need to have this operational knowledge inside. Even if we do the pilots, we cannot roll it out on uh, 100, uh, 100, 160 mm -hmm. buildings. I think this is what we have, what we are planning over the next three years. Uh, we, can, we can't uh, cover with four people so many buildings. And it doesn't make sense to have uh, only three people within an organization that understands from the topic. It's really interesting to get everyone on board it. And everyone is adding something different from different backgrounds, from different perspectives, from different country. And this is enriching constantly the problem. So we have top-down, but then we have bottom-up, and it's constantly like a circle, top-down, bottom-up, bottom-up, top-down. And uh, mm. it's not a real gymnastic, but I think there is a very, there is a lot of, positive vibes and interest uh, uh, across uh, the functional and business lines to um, to go further in that direction. Yeah, and I'm glad you pointed out the bottom up 
piece of it as well because it's it's it is just sit, kind of sitting in that sandwich of managing up and managing down for a team like yours and yeah that's super interesting so let's um real quick one aside before we deep dive into the technology a little bit more can you talk about for the people that um aren't in europe and don't aren't necessarily as familiar with europe the european market can you talk about the importance of esg and the importance of regulations as well uh, when it comes to carbon and sustainability. Uh, so your question is out of Europe or specifically for Europe? I, I just missed the first specifically, part. F- specifically for Europe, um, you know, this audience is, you know, 60% uh, North American probably. Mm-hmm. So there's a good amount of people that are gonna be listening to this that are not as familiar with what's going on in Europe from a sustainability yeah. and from a, from a decarbonization standpoint. Got it. So um, I, I would mention a couple of elements that I will combine them into, into a summary. So um, uh, Europe is very uh, driven by regulations. Uh, so the US is a little bit more deregulated market uh, as, as well as Asia. So Europe is very driven by regulations. And um, I'll give the examples, an example from, from France. So in France, uh, we are supposed to respect European regulation, for example, the European taxonomy that is giving like a kind of uh, direction of what should be the performance of a building in the future uh, in a, uh, as part of uh, this uh, um, investment taxonomy alignment. Uh, and at the same time, we have in France what we call Decret Tertiaire. So this is a French-specific regulation that is extremely specific about what should be the energy performance of a building tomorrow. And for example, mm-hmm. the French Decret Tertiaire is saying that a building's uh, energy consumption in 2030 should be less than 40% compared to uh, a year uh, before 2018. So we have okay. something that is extremely tangible. We need to optimize the energy performance of a building by 20% in 10 years. Um, then we have uh, uh, specific other regulations that are coming from Allianz. For example, Allianz is committed to net zero. That means that all our assets are supposed to be carbon neutral by 2050, according to the current methodology. And this is just adding different one piece, another piece, another piece. So this is just different regulations that are going into the direction of energy optimization. And at a certain point, um, the people, the, the, the tenants are there also looking for uh, for uh, for greener buildings. So we have on one side the market, the market is looking for better products. And on the other hand, we have uh, cumulative regulations on each other. This is very European. And then when you add all the ingredients, when you put all the things into one place, you see that one way of doing it is just to refurbish the building, plan A. Or plan B is you need to, uh, through technology, to some guys somehow optimize the operation of the assets, obviously by working together with the tenants. So we realized that there is no way in between in terms of ESG performance. So or you need to go to hardcore or you need to use technology to work a lot with the tenants in order to, uh, to, to improve um, uh, with, a, with a big impact. So Alliance in that reason, uh, and this is one of the reasons why I think that also we run the innovation program out of Paris, because France is very, in France we have a lot of restrictions that do not exist in other countries. So our life in France is more difficult than in other European countries, but the European life is more broadly more difficult than a Euro, an Asian or US uh, ESG, uh, ESG life. At the same time, in, in US, uh, for example, I, I, I see that the topics of, um, uh, of the social aspects of the ESG are very important. Versus in Europe, uh, we have a very strong E, very strong, uh, let's say, focus on E. And not only on, uh, on the um, proper 
energy aspects, but more, most, more broadly also, for example, on biodiversity, about circular economy and the materials that are used, uh, about water, about waste. So this kind of topics are much more linked to the E, but at the same time, we're a little bit less focused on the S. So when we need to build a global strategy uh, on innovation, on smart and on ESG, uh, we definitely need to combine uh, in, in, in our side. So I'm, I'm leading the innovation aspects, but I work also with my colleagues from the central ESG team. So we, we try to combine this kind of different expectations and we try to find the common denominator. What is commonly uh, true? What works in all geographies? And we are only learning uh, from each other. But yes, Europe is a little bit more restrictive and the expectations in Europe have are tending to increase uh, within the next years, which is already the case, but it's just getting tougher and tougher. Got it. Let's pause here for one more quick word from our sponsor, and then we'll get back to the show. Now, I know many of you enjoy the virtual Smart Buildings Exchange Conference in August. The team behind that conference is the Smart Building Center Education Program, a 501c3 nonprofit organization that believes a smarter use of technology and practices in the built environment, particularly as they relate to building operations and management will enable a cleaner, healthier, and more productive future. The Smart Building Center seeks to establish thought leadership for smart technologies and practices within the built environment and pursues its objective through the following pillars of activity. First, they deliver training programs to educate the building workforce of the future. Second, they enable industry-leading demonstration projects. And finally, they connect the industry through hosting and participating in events like the Smart Buildings Exchange Conference. So check out their body of work on the essential role of smarter buildings in the clean energy transition at the link in the show notes. And when you get in touch, tell them Nexus Labs sent you. And, and how big of a deal is um, decarbonization and specifically electrification of heating? Um, you know, if you look at a, a city like New York City, for example, if we go back to last week's podcast, you know, the, the group talked about how um, you know, they have local law 97 and it just c continues to ratchet up the expected performance and the regulated performance of each building to the point where if you burn natural gas, you start to go out of compliance, even if you have a really efficient building. How big of a, a, a deal is that? I know that in France, it's a heavy nuclear country, right? So you're, you're already electrified for the most part or the electrification electricity grid is clean. Whereas if you go Eastern Europe, it, it seems like there's a heavy natural gas component yeah. and a lot of systems are probably burning fossil fuels today. So how, how do you guys think about that? And is that a, a separate team uh, within Allianz that's sort of focused on that piece? Um, it's it, So in terms of organization, we, have, we are hybridly organized. So we have a strategy and then we have execution. The execution of ESG in my region is also with me. It's it, within with additional okay. team, but it, it belongs to the same community. So I can answer this question. Um, your first point was, what is the, uh, how do we compare energy performance across countries and geographies? This is first fundamental point, and here we are using uh, the CREM um, uh, methodology, and the CREM methodology is taking into account for each specific country the energy mix in order to define what can be the decarbonization curve for each specific country and for each specific asset class. This helps us to eliminate this kind of uh, uh, subjective uh, thinking about uh, uh, how to how to convert what when in which units and what is good what is bad, uh, and the CRAM methodology is bringing basically two uh, two main KPIs um, 
uh, upfront. One is the carbon footprint. This is what everyone is mentioning. Uh, but the second one is the kilowatt hour. So this is the energy intensity, the kilowatt hour per square meter per year. And uh, in your point, in your example about uh, am I green if I use gas? Uh, and even if I, my building is very efficient, but it uses gas, probably it's not very efficient in terms of carbon. And this is one of the interests of the CREM methodology because you will have the two indicators. Is your building intrinsically, um, uh, uh, intrinsically uh, let's say, efficient and uh, optimized and then if you have a low energy consumption uh, which is the same across the same uh, let's say we expect to have across the same latitude and geographical position in the world pretty similar uh, energy consumptions but if you go to the north or to the south you expect to have some variation for example the nordic countries they're overheating they're heating a little bit more in the winter time and the south countries they're they're uh, they're cooling more in the winter so based on the geographical setup uh, you have different patterns in terms of energy consumption and then the second question is how do we qualify energies as a green and you mentioned the natural gas one i will not go into commenting the decisions of krem is nuclear uh, green is uh, green yeah. uh, is a, is a, the natural gas green but even if we like it or we don't like it, uh, there is for the first time a kind of reference model uh, that is saying, okay, this is good, this is not good. And then everyone is free to, 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 to get the data and to go into the details and to see, okay, I have a very good, uh, very optimized uh, building, but that is in terms of energy intensity, but still in terms of CO2 intensity, I'm very high. So do I need to put a lot of capex in the building? No, because even if you put a lot of capex in a building that is intrinsically optimized, this will not change almost anything. You'll just spend a lot of money because the building is already consuming a less, less energy. So in order to improve the carbon footprint, you need to look differently to the topic. And uh, this is the point where I think that uh, the overall global knowledge needs to move forward because you pointed out things that we are also thinking about and for which I cannot give a black or white answer. But just think that we need to look at the two KPIs, intrinsic energy qualities of the building, so through the kilowatt hour per square meter per year, and through the um, uh, CO2 uh, emissions uh, tons per, per year, to make sure that we can, we can really understand uh, what is triggering a bad performance. Is it the intrinsic or it's just the type of energy that is used uh, or the source or how greener is the source? Got it. Great, great answer. I love that. So let's let's talk about the technology. I know you guys. Um, when I talked to your team, they talked a lot about. We 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 probably talked for an hour about the concept of an independent data layer and the you guys call it. I think building operating system. Um, so can you just talk about and and I, I think you were already talking about it a little bit before when you talk about having occupancy counting, occupancy data, using that for energy optimization, but then having that data available to be used for other use cases like space planning and you know whatever else you want to use it for. So can you just talk about that sort of data infrastructure and the importance of having that layer figured out and how you guys have sort of gone about um, building that layer out in your program? So um, uh, I will probably not satisfy with my answer to the geek community um, because I'm best <laughs> okay. representative of the geek community, but I'll explain it with, with, my, with my own words. So um, historically, the building generates a lot of data, but this data goes into all directions. And sometimes in the same building, we have seen in the buildings from 10 to 10 years old, a couple of devices that are measuring exactly the same occupancy. 
And I was wondering hmm. why do we have like several devices that are managing that are measuring exactly the same thing? And the answer is because they are coming with specific technical equipments and the equipment wants to measure himself the thing alone. And I said, mm -hmm. interesting point, but so I need to maintain a couple of devices just to have the same wrong information because they are systematically something is wrong with them. So our logic with the, the data, with the data layer or what we call internal building operating system is simply to make sure that the different technical uh, equipments are able to exchange in the same language, one, and B, that uh, if I need an information, there is a unique source of truth for this information within the building. So if I need the occupancy, I'm, I will measure the occupancy once, and then this data will be shared with other, let's say, uh, technical equipments within the building or technical installations, or let's say whoever need, needs this data. Um, but I know what is the source of truth of this data. Uh, and then the use cases are multiple. Historically, the use cases of the occupancy was, were all only I needed uh, to know if there is on offer the lighting, so no people, no lights, uh, people, light. Uh, but today we know that there are plenty of other use cases. And we started defining the use cases and we just realized that for us, as you mentioned, we can list a lot of use cases, but over time we're just adding new, new use cases, new use cases, new use cases. So the denominator for all these use cases is data. And what we call the building operating system is just this data layer where all the data is kind of um, structured. This is very important. So the data is structured, it's stored, and uh, we can manage the accesses to this data to different uh, equipments, uh, to different stakeholders like the facility manager, uh, asset manager, and other people that really need to know that for whatever the reason that it is. So central place where the data is stored, where the data is analyzed, and where we can manage this kind of accesses. Yeah, you mentioned earlier, it was kind of like, it's kind of like the materials in a building. And, and the way that I think about it is like, it's kind of like the infrastructure to a building. It's like, you wouldn't buy a building without plumbing, for example, or you wouldn't buy a building without internet or the you know electrical infrastructure. And so the data infrastructure, it seems like you're, you're starting to think about that in the same way as any other type of infrastructure or any other type of finishing in the lobby or things like that, that they increase the asset value. Is that kind of how you're, you're thinking about it? Um, uh, yes. In the, the sole purpose of optimizing, of adding a value somewhere, which means energy efficiency, user experience, cybersecurity, or for us to get this kind of analytics so that we can take better decisions. We believe that mm -hmm. the infrastructure uh, is part of the overall technical, let's say, logic of the building. So we cannot dissociate the, the data flow from uh, how the building is operated. So this is part of, uh, uh, of uh, it's one component of the building, like uh, the HVAC is one component, the networks mm -hmm. is another one, the, the place where the data is gathered and redistributed across other equipments is another one. Uh, so this is a little bit the way that we, that we see that, because if you don't work specifically on that, on this integration from equipments uh, across, um, uh, across the building into one system, we, can, uh, we cannot perform the other uh, tasks and use cases. So you know, yes, we need Got to it. see it as a separate, uh, as a separate asset within the building. And and after talking to your team, I learned that you guys kind of think about it in a, an interesting way. You think about this infrastructure, this data layer, as kind of something that needs to be local to the building that lives as an asset locally. That you, if you know, if the building turns over in a transaction that asset goes with it to the new owner of that building. I know you guys like to hold, you know, typically hold buildings for a long time, 
But the way that you're thinking about it is like this asset lives is a, as a piece of infrastructure with the building. Is, is that kind of how the business of Allianz kind of thinks about it? So um, first, we're in the beginning of this process. Uh, and um, yes, our conviction as per today is that we want the building to be a little bit independent and to be run in an independent way from the entire global network. Uh, because we see on the market, and um, I will not surprise anyone, we know that a country can cut the access for some solution to another country, and we don't want to, to be a kind of victim somewhere that our buildings are victimized somewhere. So uh, mm -hmm. first, the building needs to be uh, operated, needs to be... So we need to make sure that all our buildings can be operated locally, first of all. Then is the building operating system on-premise or on the clouds? I think this is a second question. But in all cases, we need to make sure that the building can run and can be managed uh, locally uh, in a completely independent way from the network. This is our conviction from a pure resilience topic. Uh, and then the topic of on-premise on cloud, I think that if it's built in a similar way, we can always mirror uh, the information on a cloud if there is any interest to do that. Or we can always try to have also the cloud solution to steer and to, to achieve scalability for several buildings on a boss cloud solution, let's put it in this way. Um, but to be honest, today, I'm a little bit skeptical and I will go for a low-tech solution. So manage all buildings remotely from a central boss that is managing 60 buildings centrally. Um, why not? But I don't think that we will be the first one doing that, even if we already have two examples that we have delivered in this way. But it's not, it's not our strategy to be so dependent on cloud solutions. We really want to make sure that the building can be operated locally. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, very cool. So um, when I think about the building operating system or the independent data layer, I think about it as you know a horizontal layer that then applications can sit on top of, right? So. Um, you mentioned, I think you, I think your words were AI active energy management. So that that's maybe one app that sits on top of the building operating system, basically controlling systems better than they would be controlled if, if not for that application. What are the other applications you mentioned tenant, um, or, you know, occupant experience application. Are there any others that you're, you're looking at, um, as being an important piece of the stack that sort of sits on top of the BOS? Mm. So um, currently, uh, you, you're mentioning the one that is probably the most critical one. So in, in, the, in the sphere of the energy management, we have also managed uh, an energy monitoring one. Uh, so we're working okay. with DeepKey, it's not a secret, that is gathering the portfolio information, uh, the energy consumption from the portfolio um, on the European level. Uh, and uh, then uh, we have also uh, facility management enhancement solutions like uh, TwinOps. Um, that is used for the facility manager in a 3D, um, they're using 3D model and the real-time data in order to optimize the way that they operate the building, they replace spare parts and so on. Uh, okay. And uh, we also, uh, on top of the building operating system layer, we have our own data asset management platform where we extract the meaningful data for us for our own use cases. Um, but you are uh, right that uh, the, the, the boss is endless endless number of solutions so i think that mm -hmm. we're really at the beginning and we see that our tenants they're deploying their own solutions on top of the bus that are linked to the way that they are living their assets so uh, for example a, a meeting room booking solution that is then integrating with the boss and whenever you book the room the, the room is pre-ventilated and so on so i think mm -hmm. that the the importance here is really 
both. I don't think that we are there yet with all possible applications that you can build on top of that. Uh, I think that in the next year, this is a very big market. And if someone wants to invest somewhere, uh, I definitely recommend to go and to look what can you put on the boss uh, in order to create uh, value. Uh, because for us, it's just simpler to, to work with such applications that come on top of the boss because we can control the information they are accessing. Uh, we know that, for example, the energy management partner is accessing the information from um, the, the smart meters, from the occupancy, from uh, the comfort. And we know exactly what he's, what he, what he's using and the way that he's using that. Uh, in the previous time without boss, they just access to something. We don't know to what, we don't know what they're doing. We don't know what kind of comment they're also giving to the HVAC. Uh, um, and and this kind of intransparency uh, is limiting the number of use cases. And by adding this data layer, we're just increasing tremendously, dramatically the transparency. Uh, and starting from now, we can think, I think we're living in the beginning of uh, thinking what else can be added uh, on top of that. Obviously, the, the, the kind of gateway solutions and cybersecurity aspects um, that uh, that are solutions that cybersecurity solutions that are helping us to monitor better the networks is also something that goes easily on top of the bus versus mm -hmm. uh, uh, versus individually to try to secure plenty of networks. So, just a couple of totally. examples, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I think the reason why your team listened to the, the podcast is the same reason that what listening to you is like music to my ears because we're, we're in such alignment with how the, you know, the stack should be built up and, you know, how smart buildings quote unquote should be, should be done. And it's that horizontal approach, you know, network layer, data layer, application layer on top. It's just the only way to then enable multiple applications. And like you said, you don't, act, you didn't know, that your tenants were gonna build these different applications on top, right? You just wanted to, their building to be ready so that the tenant can do what they want with their data. And I think that's the piece that we as an industry haven't quite grasped yet. Um, and it's the reason why I spent most of this year talking about it. So if I look back on 2022, it, that's the main thing that I've been sort of just pounding over and over and over again. And I, I, I love to see organizations like yours say, you know what, this is the way that we're going to do it. And you're doing it independently for me, right? It's like you guys are have come up with this on your own. Um, and it's good to see people sort of mirroring the same approach as a best practice, uh, which is awesome. So what are the next steps in the program? It sounds like scaling up is a, is a big priority, um, applying it to existing buildings, applying it to, like you said, capital projects, redevelopments. What, what, are, you, what are your sort of, what's your sort of roadmap? So uh, one of our challenges is acceleration of the deployment of the installation of the devices and across the assets. Uh, there is a lack of partners, so lack of lack of competent people on the market. There is no industry for that, to be honest. Um, so there, I'm going back to what I said. So it's not that they're not competent people, but uh, the offering is not structured. And mm. um, and this is and it, when it's structured is completely structured differently from one country to another one, and this is hindering yeah. us as a global player because uh, in one country we go to the telecommunication operator to ask them to deploy devices. In another country we go to a construction company. In another country we go to um, to the facility manager. In another country we go to um, to to the to the manufacturer of the HVAC, and and it's it's so it's so disparate. So it's so um, there is no denominator for that. So. One of our challenges is to make sure that we can deploy um, the IoT devices and set of technologies in a fast way uh, across our geographies. For that, we're looking for partners. And the second big challenge that we have is on the large refurbishments where we where we put 100% of our knowledge. 
um, we need to systematize more the role of the master system integrator. That it's a, not a known, very well-known role. Uh, a lot of uh, different design uh, engineering companies, they think that they can do it without really being able to do that. So uh, we are becoming very, very uh, sophisticated in our requirements for the master system integrator because whenever we don't have a master system integrator, we just need to restart, to restart, to restart until ultimately we get one. Uh, and uh, so we are, I think the next steps for us is to deploy on the bigger scale on the larger scale to continue the deployment that we have already started and to, to start working with the data that we are gathering because we start having a very valuable data across Europe. And so we would like to build a data asset management function, which means that we need to analyze in a deeper way some trends and some tendencies across our portfolio. For example, is it true that the people in big cities uh, are more likely back to the office? Uh, and is it true that the, uh, the offices in uh, mid-sized cities uh, are not so full. So this kind of trends, we start to having a kind of insights, and this is very important for us to build up further these competencies, as well as next steps, I would say, the deployment of the cybersecurity program, cybersecurity piece within the smart building program, which is a completely new piece that we have deployed on a couple of assets. But uh, there as well, we need to uh, we need to build up competencies internally, and we need to bring our partners as well on the right level of competence, because I think that today, we're teaching sometimes people that were supposed to be experts in that. Uh, and uh, those companies are telling us, yeah, but we never asked us something like that. So I think it's a, it's a partner in a partnership models. This is how we move forward. And uh, I just expect in the future that um, on one hand, my teams continue to be as motivated and passionate as they are today about the topic, not to count working hours. Uh, and then that we continue to work with good partners on the market because this is how we learn. We do not produce any software internally. We do not produce any technology internally. Our role internally is to combine them and to make sure that when we deploy, uh, this is creating value uh, because ultimately our role, and I need to repeat that, uh, Alliance Real Estate, we're an investment and asset manager. So we need to make sure that we increase the portfolio value. And this is what we try to do through technology and all the things that we have discussed today. And therefore we do not invent any anything new. We just put things together. Totally, totally. That was a great place to end off. I think those are great directions to head. Um, well done putting together this program. Well done putting the pieces together, including all the people on your team. Um, let's end with some some carve outs. So are there, are there any books or podcasts or documentaries or anything else that sort of had, has had a major impact on you lately? I'll, I probably will surprise you. But um, uh, I'm, I'm watching kind of documentaries for my five years old son on complex topics. <laughs> and I'm watching oh. them and I say, oh, my gosh, they're explaining a, such a complex topic in a such simple way. Uh, mm. So um, I will further tell you the name of the series there in French. But my learning from that is that uh, a lot of people spend a lot of time to simplify very complex topics. And I think that this is one of the challenges that we have uh, in, in the field of smart and uh, building technology uh, is that we need to find a way to explain that with simple words uh, to people uh, um, that are supposed to use it, but that are not supposed to, to do it. And uh, this is where I want to end. So I wish that I would be able one day to do this kind of documentary on smart buildings for my son. And someone sometimes when I need to uh, to speak with people, I'm thinking, how can I oversimplify exactly as I need to mm -hmm. explain to my son what I'm doing in the office? And it's very difficult. I'm, I'm not there at all. But I hope that I will be able to 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 go to that. 
I'm with you on that. I feel like that's it's the challenge that I have in the position that that I'm in, which is continue to push the envelope and, and get to the edge with the like you said the nerds of the industry i always say that I'm, I'm, I'm a proud nerd and i love our community of nerds but we're, we need to push the edge of the envelope there while at the same time simplifying it to bring more people into the exactly. community of nerds exactly. right yeah. um and that's the that's the balance that i feel like we're always trying to struggle with with nexus and, and i find it to be very fun because I'm not the utmost expert in any topic. And so I'm kind of following along with the nerds to get to the edge. And then I'm kind of, I view myself as like, I got to bring the, the people that aren't in the circle along with, you know, you know, try to get them up to where I'm at, you know, following along with the nerds. So I'm, I'm with you in that. I think it's super important and it's, it's, it's how we sort of create change, I think. Thank you, Grigor, for, for coming on the show. Uh, thanks for doing what you do. James, the pleasure was mine. All right, friends. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nexus Podcast. For more episodes like this and to get the weekly Nexus newsletter, which, by the way, readers have said is the best way to stay up to date on the future of the smart buildings industry, please subscribe at nexuslabs.online. You can find the show notes for this conversation there as well. Have a great day. Thank you.